Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss and reflect on faith and philosophy, leadership and social issues. We want to engage in ideas and what it means to be a free human being in the pursuit of human flourishing. For more information, please visit our website, philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Humanity Matters show. I am your host, Dr. Philip Fletcher. Hey, do me a favor. Connect with me on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Dr. Philip Fletcher. Find me on Instagram, Dr. Philip Fletcher. Also, you can find me over on Twitter, at Phil Fletcher. Most importantly, go over to the website, Philip Fletcher. That's two L's, philipfletcher.org. And when you come to the landing page, it'll be your opportunity to sign up for uh, the weekly newsletter, Daily Personalist Living and Leading. And you'll get a weekly newsletter, just one, no spam, anything like that. Typically comes out Saturdays or Sundays. And it's just a short email, get your thinking for the week, sometimes some questions for journaling, uh, any type of reflection that you may do. I just want to seek to add value in your life. So, uh, that list is growing, and I would love to connect with you. So, that's all the different social media type things. Also, if you're listening to this podcast, please find me on anchor.fm or wherever you get your podcast content, Google, iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, leave a review, would be so awesome. So awesome. And then also share it. Just share it with somebody. I see people sometimes they take a podcast and they screenshot it and be like, hey, I'm listening to this. And they post it on their Instagram story or their Facebook story or whatever. Hey, give me a shout out. I would greatly appreciate it. It costs you absolutely nothing. Right? It would be awesome. Yeah. So a lot going on been sick the last week so it's good to uh get over that stuff have to take care of myself and the missus but we're gonna be rocking and rolling in this upcoming week a lot of great things going on at the city of hope outreach we are still in the midst of our hope village build you can find out more about that at hopevillagecoho.org uh, we've launched a new pilot initiative called Coho Cares to increase access to uh, oral health services. And so we're starting with individuals who are experiencing homelessness and we're looking to expand that. So thank you to Delta Dental and some great foundations here in the city of Conway. City of Conway. Hey, if you got an email, got a question for me, you can always send me a question to arrowmakerar at gmail.com that's arrowmakerar at gmail.com and if I read your question I will send you a t-shirt free I like to be generous it's kind of my tagline be loved be kind be generous be courageous and I think it's awesome to just give things away you know just 
Be a blessing to people. Be generous. Live life with an open hand. It's going to be okay. I believe you'll get more in return. You know? So, send the email, arrowmakerar at gmail.com. Arrowmakerar at gmail.com. Hey, on Mondays, the Daily Personalist Living and Leading Reflection comes out on audio, podcast content, short, five, eight minutes, just thought, reflection, also for the week. Again, seeking to add value to your life. Over on Patreon, here's an opportunity for you to support uh, different content that comes over there, video and audio. Uh, But also, I have the lecture series. I am a professor at Philander Smith in Little Rock, historically black college, and I am making available the ethics and moral theory lectures. So, you can be a part of that. Go over to patreon.com. You can look up my name, Philip Fletcher, PhD. And for as little as five bucks, all right, you can be a participant. For 10 and 15 bucks, you get access to the lectures uh, and different things like that. So, that's my one pitch. But as always, if you want to support the show, um, hey, just hit me up. I'm always looking for sponsors looking to read promos and things like that uh, so we can continue to share the love and spread the love and all that kind of good stuff. Today, I wanted to talk about heterodox thinking. Now, there's the word orthodox, all right, which two words, right teaching, all right, ortho, right, dox, all right, doctrine, teaching, right, teaching, right? Kind of leaning on my seminary here. And there's this other term called orthopraxy. That's right praxis, right? So when you have right teaching, it should produce right practice, okay? Now, when you, when a, a group or an organization, you know, they have values, they have a, vision, they have a mission, they have policies and procedures, same thing with a family or a job, any type of organized group, formal or informal, right? They have a doctrine, a right teaching, if you will, and it governs how they speak and think and their practices. Okay. Now, when you have someone who is in the midst of that entity says something counter then that individual is looked at as being hetero different all right the word heresy essentially means, and I know it has a negative connotation, but it's one who divides, okay? Heterodoxy, right, or heteropraxis, is in the same fashion. A different teaching, a different perspective, a different belief in the context of that particular Entity. Now, 
in a particular organized body, and we'll just say like a formal one, it's probably in the best interest that if the hetero person is not making any type of headway, it's probably better for him or her to create his or her own entity on the basis of those particular teachings. And then what was once heterodox in one area becomes orthodox in another. Right? It's kind of interesting. At the same time, if the heterodox person chooses not to leave for whatever reason, now the individual may not want to leave because they have this affinity, this affection for the existing group because of the members that belong to that group or the history, right? How long it has been operating. So there may be a genuine sense of care and concern as to bringing up what is considered heterodox. Now, it's the powers that be looking at the orthodox who has determined that this other individual is the heterodox. Now, the those that are the powers that be, because there's always going to be power <laughs> that is being practiced. They can go about a whole series of different things to bring the person back in line, Right. Some type of corrective action. All right. In some cases, it could be shame. It could be isolation. All right. It could be public shame. It could be public isolation. It could be expulsion. And in some sad cases, which you have seen in history, it could be death. Yes. Even in my Christian history, there has been that. Now. I listen to Clubhouse. Now, if you're not familiar with Clubhouse, Clubhouse is an app where people get on and they can talk, right? It's like, I don't know. There's times where it's like, wow, I hear like a great wealth of information. I'm learning something I didn't hear before. I get to develop and have conversations with people on the other side of the world. And then there are other times where it is a complete dumpster fire. People are talking over one another. There are people who say we want conversation, but then they don't only they only want to hear particular viewpoints and not all viewpoints. It's kind of interesting. You know, one of the things that's like really like frustrating is when I hear someone say, you know, I want to be inclusive. We need to be more inclusive. And then when a different idea comes to the table, er, not that. Well, you're not trying to be inclusive then. You are seeking to function as a gatekeeper. You're seeking to practice power in order to maintain a particular organizational dynamic. That's what's happening. Now, on Clubhouse, time to time, in what I will call Black Clubhouse, there will be these discussions, right? So you go on Clubhouse, you know, they'll see the topic and you'll see like a number of people are in the room, right? You go on Clubhouse, there's the main stage, if you will. There are Then beneath that, there are people who are on the stage. Excuse me, the people on the stage, the next level are people in the audience. And then the people in the audience, it'll show you, oh, people on stage follow the people in the audience. And then there are just 
people out there, right? So about once a week, there's a topic about reparations. Reparations. Now, if you're not familiar with reparations, it's been a long off discussion about uh, recompense for ADOS. Now, ADOS, that term is African descendants of slaves, right? So there's been this drive. There's been this, the, these calls for studies in Congress about studying reparations. What would it look like? Who would benefit? Most importantly, who gets it? Oh, then the second question is, how is it going to be paid for? Now, on that last question, how it's going to be paid for, personally, I think it's kind of irrelevant because our United States government, they just print money. They just be like, pass a bill, we'll just print the money. You know, we'll just add to the deficit. All right? We'll add to the debt. Now, deficit and debt is two different things. But nonetheless, our United States government, they'll go to the Fed, be like, just print it you know, got all this money going out, right? But the buying power of that dollar gets weaker and weaker and weaker. But hey, what do I know? So, reparations. Arguments been made. You know, the Jews received reparations due to what happened in Germany, World War II. Native Americans have received reparations. How does that work out for them? Japanese Americans who were interned during World War II in good old United States of America, right? In response to what happened at Pearl Harbor. They received reparations. It was like towards the 80s, President Reagan's time period. And those reparations were paid to those existing people. Here's my thing. That's 13% of the population. Men and women who share the same phenotypic characteristics as myself. How are we going to work that out? Hey, this is Dr. Philip Fletcher. If you got a question, email me. ArrowmakerAR at gmail.com. ArrowmakerAR at gmail.com. Today, I'm just thinking about heterodox thinking. Specifically, reparations. Now, I'm agnostic on reparations, full transparency. I'm not for it. I'm not against it. Because I'm still studying it. There's good arguments. On both sides. Because there's are. I'll be honest. Those who are ADOS types. Right? I don't use that term of myself. My name is Philip DeMond Fletcher. ADOS types make a strong argument for reparations. Then you've got those who have immigrated here who look like ADOS but did not experience any type or not descended from chattel slavery as it was practiced here in the United States of America. So we're 
talking about a very specific demographic of individuals, okay? Questions I've got coming from a quote-unquote black man like myself. And to show more of my cards, I've never voted for... I never voted for President Joe Biden. And we'll talk about him another day. Never voted for his vice president, Kamala Harris. Didn't vote for President Barack Obama. Neither time. In fact, I've never casted my vote for a Democrat. Even though, was it like 80, 90% of those that look like me do so. But again, I'm being heterodox. But for a reason. So when I think about reparations, I'm asking myself, well, what is the final goal? So if we're trying to rectify systemic injustices, if reparations, one of the it's a means to building generational wealth to improve the situation of black Americans, whatever that means. What is the final goal? How much is to be given? Just for kicks and giggles, let's just say it's a trillion dollars. I know it's more than that. I've seen studies. Let's say it's a trillion dollars. So it's a trillion. That's it. Just a trillion. Once the trillion is spent printed and spent that's it what you do with it is what you do with it is that the final goal is it simply cash is it cash and programs I've seen different proposals What is the final goal? Glenn Lowry, a, a noted uh, professor from Brown, one of his concerns is the sociological and psychological impact of this on our citizenry. Because you're going to have those that say, yes, you got your reparations. We don't want to hear anything more about fill in the blank. Conditions of neighborhoods crime in neighborhoods, educational outcomes. You, you got your reparations. And so there's the possibility of a, we're done. Kind of a dispassionate disconnect, you know? Hmm. So I got myself to thinking, and I said, looking at reparations, you know, so I was like, since the end of the Civil War, 1864-5, then the end of Reconstruction, right? Then we went through the Black Codes and Jim Crow and Jane Crow, as Cornel West would say. We went through the Civil Rights Movement and everything that happened with that. And then we had the passage of the Voting Rights 
Civil rights legislation of 64, the Voter Rights Act of 65. The poverty programs come on through. What has it gotten us? So I've read those are forms of reparation, affirmative action, things like that. What has it gotten us politically? Politically, it has gotten us a president, former President Barack Obama, two terms. It's got us currently a vice president, Kamala Harris. We have a black lieutenant governor in Virginia. We've had mayors and city council all across the United States, politically. Now, these individuals consider being the children and the grandchildren of the civil rights movement and all the work that was done. What have they done with that political power to advance the situation of those who are considered black American? What about economically? I mean, come on. John H. Johnson, billionaire. We got Oprah. We got economic titans coming out of sports like the NFL, the NBA, WNBA. Economically, we've got entertainment titans. Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, Denzel Washington, Viola Davis. Angela Bassett, the recently passed Sidney Poitier, and others. We've got venture capitalists, those working on Wall Street. What have they done with their economic power? Because that's what it is. What have they done with that power specifically? Or do they even feel like they have a a responsibility to do anything? That's another question. What about religiously? Now, that's a mixed bag. Because, you know, early on, you couldn't find a black person that wasn't either like going to a church, Baptist, Pentecostal, maybe belonged like to the nation of Islam or was a Muslim. But now you've got all types of stuff running around, all types of individuals with beliefs. They're religious or they're just spiritual or so on and so forth. Or as one brother came up to me and he said, I am jaw. I was like, okay, all right. But again, how has, how has, whatever that religious perspective is that you have, how have you used that to move the ball forward as it specifically relates to the situation of black Americans? Again, when I'm using black Americans, I'm talking AUS. If you're that, or if you even care, that's the other thing. Then there's the social capital. We got to look at our neighborhoods in our low-income areas, middle class, upper class. We got to pay attention to the fact that <laughs> some black people just ain't going to be able to go up into the middle class and the upper class. And there's some black people in the upper class that 
they, they, I'm sure they feel some type of way coming downtown. Either way, when reparations is being talked about, I wonder the advocates for it. Who is it that they have in mind? Is it all skin folk or particular skin folk? In a particular situation. My other thing about reparations is this. is like, let's assume, all right, let's assume that it passes both houses of Congress. It gets to a president's desk and he or she signs it. Okay. How will inequality play? How will inequality be considered within the ADOS. So you get reparations, whatever that's going to look at, like maybe cash, may not, it's going to be a mix of things, right? I hope no one is assuming that of that 13% of the population, right? That everybody's going to want to do the same thing, have the same occupation, have the same interests, visions, and goals. Because I think we know the answer to that question. And because people have different visions and goals for their lives, even within a particular group, you're going to have disparities within that group for a number of reasons. Then what? Because if you're going to have disparities within a group. At some point, I'm sure somebody's going to want to compare between groups. Then what? Again, you can't go back for more. The ship has sailed. You got your, and I'm making an argument here, trillion dollars in reparations. And so after, let's say, 25 years, 50 years, I hope that we would, excuse me, I hope that you would remember that there's still going to be inequality within the group. And because there's going to be inequality within the group, there's going to be inequalities between the group. So again, it goes back to my major question. What is the final goal then with reparations? Just ask it. Just ask it. Even now, listen now, there's no reparations program at all. No bureaucracy will get there. That'll be my fourth thing I want to talk about. What opportunity is currently closed to any black American today? Can anybody tell me what opportunity that there is? What opportunity, what door can't a black male or black female lay his or her hand on to attempt to open the door. Now it doesn't mean because you can put your hand on the door. doesn't mean you're going to be able to open the door, but you have the opportunity to open the door. I'd like to know what that is. Specifically for black Americans. 
And here's my other big thing about reparations. Hey, this is Dr. Philip Fletcher, Humanity Matters Show. We are talking about heterodox thinking, specifically reparations. Email me, errormakerar at gmail.com. You agree? You disagree? You're like, Philip, you're way off base. Philip, I agree with you. But can you answer this question? Hey, hit me up. If I read your question, I'll send you a gift. So here's my biggest thing. When we look at reparations specifically regarding slavery or what happened out of Reconstruction or what happened out of segregation, these were all codified into law, voted on, supported by politicians, federal government, state and local government. government created a problem and now we want to turn to the same institution to be the solver of the problem think about that it was in the United States Constitution passed by elected officials Reconstruction, same thing, elected officials. Jim Crow laws, again, elected officials. And so now we want to turn to the government to rectify the very problems that it created. The government will pick winners and losers, especially when it comes to money. And if you don't think that the federal government is not going to find a way to come out on top, then we truly haven't learned anything. So again, let's assume that reparations passes. Again, it passes both houses of Congress. President signs into law, meets constitutional muster, doesn't need to go to Supreme Court. All right. Now, we do know that it's going to create a whole new federal bureaucracy. And then state-level bureaucracies. Because... It's going to have to be implemented. It's going to have to be carried out. It's going to have to have a, I hate the word, a czar. A department head. A cabinet position, probably. Maybe they'll sit under health and human services. Nonetheless, a program like this will probably have its own like department of education-like type. It'll be like a department of of reparations, the DOR. Federal government taking care of black people. So creating a whole new federal bureaucracy. Hey, at least it's going to create more employment for people to work for the government, right? So you're creating new jobs, jobs that everybody's going to have to pay for to run the department of reparations. But here's the thing. It's going to have to be funded year after year after year because you're going to have a bureaucracy established and the government does not like to end government programs whatsoever. 
And one of the ways it does that is, guess what? Imagine me trying to run and say, hey, I want to close the Department of Reparations. I can anticipate one or two responses from one group. That guy's a sellout. He doesn't love black Americans. He's trying to take everything from us and put us back in the situation that we were before. And I can hear another group saying, he don't like black people. He can't stand y'all. So from within the house, I would catch the flat, Uncle Tom, Uncle Ruckus, outside the house, he doesn't like poor people, a.k.a. black people. But hold on, I thought... Anyway. So, ending it would be damn near impossible. So those are the thoughts that I have. Heterodox thoughts regarding reparations. Questions I like to ask. Questions I like to ask that I don't think anybody's getting their feelings on. But they should be able to answer the questions. In fact, here's my thing. And this is for my well-meaning people. When I say well-meaning people, I mean my well-meaning white brothers and sisters out there. If you are an advocate for reparations, right? There's nothing stopping you right now. And this is one of the things I say. There's nothing stopping you right now from, I don't know, finding a family or individual who's black and say, hey, I want to give you money every month. Because I exist in a system that has oppressed you and your ancestors for generations. And I want to be a part of the solution. So for my well-meaning brothers and sisters who support a reparations initiative program, there's nothing stopping you right now from doing that. Reaching in your own pocket, setting, reaching out to a friend, somebody that looks like me and being like, hey, I want to direct deposit it into your account every month. There's nothing. But I'm, again, I'm always curious as to why individuals who advocate these things, they don't take the first step and do it on their own but instead, they look up the government and then get mad at people because they don't support the position. Well, you would convince me of your position just a little bit more if you reached in your own pocket and did it yourself. Don't reach into my pocket. Reach into your own pocket. And that will convince me. Well, it'll be a little bit more persuasive. To my brothers and sisters out there who advocate for this, the question I have is this. We have brothers and sisters who marched in the streets in 2020 railing against government. Yes, railing against government and law enforcement. And you wanted it defunded. But now you're turning to the same government and asking them to be <laughs> your, your savior. Is that too strong of a word? I don't think so. I think we can figure it out. We've got the education. We've got the intelligence, the creativity. 
We've got the wherewithal. We've got the endurance. We've got the legacy to continue to find a way and not have our hand out. Hey, we'll do this heterodox thinking again on another topic. I like it. Hey, it's been Dr. Philip Fletcher with the Humanity Matters Show. Again, connect with me on all the social media type outlets, especially connect with me on my website, philipfletcher.org. Go over to Patreon and consider being a supporter. If you're listening to this podcast, anchor.fm or Google, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast content, please subscribe, leave a review. I would greatly appreciate it very much. Check out my nonprofit, coho58.org. Also, our Hope Village project, hopevillagecoho.org. A lot of great things going on here in Conway, Arkansas. As always, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your political persuasion, regardless of your religious beliefs, regardless of how much money you got, remember to be loved, to be kind, to be generous, to be courageous. And if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. Take care. God bless. Hey, if you found something of value, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Find us on Facebook at Dr. Philip Fletcher. Find us on Twitter at Philip Fletcher. And as always, visit us on the website philipfletcher.org.